Hey everyone, welcome to Narwhal Show episode three. We're here with Jason Schuler, Kieran, and I. What's up, Kieran? What's going on, everyone? What uh, What's up, Jason? Hello, hello. Howdy. So today, today we're going to be talking about WordPress. Um, that's what Jason does. He's an expert at mm-hmm. doing that. Um, does everything from design development to the business side of it. So it'd be really awesome insight to get on that. But uh, first, let's talk a little bit about you, Jason. Uh, who are you? Where are you from? And what are you doing? Yeah, um, I was born and raised in Seattle, Washington. So I'm still living here with my, my wife and my little baby girl, who's just a little over a year old. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I love baby, same, I love baby girls now. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same, the exact same <laughs> age range with the baby girl. And it's, that happens, it's right? Awesome. Like, you never noticed it before, but now that you have your own, you notice everybody that has a little girl in. Yeah, and the, it's awesome. That's a, like it's that's all the automatic awesome response. Too. Like the ah uh, is the automatic response. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, I got started in the business. Just um, I worked at the Boeing company for a long time, and I just kind of taught myself design development around the. What were web. you doing at Bo- What were you doing at Boeing? Um, they have a pretty massive internal uh, web. Uh, that they use for all their organizations and whatnot. And it's all powered by static HTML. And so I was Jeez. managing a lot of that for them. And that's actually actually how I got into WordPress, was kind of looking for a better solution to manage their internal infrastructure. So That's insane. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> Thousands of sites, static HTML. Yeah, it's, wow. it's pretty crazy. Is that still, do you know, is that still what's in place? Is that still I, how they're doing you it? You know, I, I don't know if it is, but I wouldn't doubt it if 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 it's still the same. You know, they, it's just not a company that is... Leaders really, in technology. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, their business is airplanes. They're just not, you know, progressive in the other things like that. You know, like uh, internal websites. It's just not high on their priority list, I don't think. Wow. Crazy. So yeah, I mean, I got started with that, and and, and again, that's kind of how I got into WordPress was just looking for something that would be easier uh, to make to make that whole job easier in in that company. And when was that? How long ago was that? That was two thousand seven, two thousand six, two thousand seven. So way, way, way back. Nice. And um, yeah, that just kind of progressed from there. I I. Um, I put together like this whole demo for upper level management of how WordPress could save them a ton of time and money and how they could lay off a bunch of people, (laughs) you know, by implementing, yeah, by implementing like a WordPress multi-user installation and then creating just a simple theme for their standard template. And, uh, you know, the response was, is that, you know, this is really cool and it, and it would save us a lot of time and money, but, Open source is like a huge, huge no-no for for companies like that. So that was like my ticket to uh, leaving. <laughs> because wait, I, why why wouldn't they use? Because they, um, I think it comes down to like a support thing. They want to make sure that something that's implemented company wide is going to be supported, and gotcha. you don't get that with you know open source software. Oh, I thought you. I would assume in that pitch, you'd just be like, yeah, we would handle it because everyone knows how to do WordPress. <laughs> That's funny that they they want some external company to handle it instead of their internal massive team, like you said. That's crazy. Yeah. So I, I think they like to own the software that they use. I mean, it's something that they, they yeah. like to they purchase and they know that the company that builds sure. it is going to you know support what they're using. So Because they're um, uneducated six-year-old <laughs> men making those decisions. Yeah. Was, I mean, that was 2006. Yeah, 2006, 2007. I, who knows? I mean, it could have all turned around by now. I kind of doubt it, but um, it's that was. I mean, that was like the big kind of kick in the pants for me to leave and and try and make a go on my own because I saw my job kind of going nowhere there. I would have been still doing HTML websites there probably if I if I didn't leave. So, <laughs> so what did you leave for? Um, well, I, I mean, I got to. Got to know WordPress pretty well, and um, I kind of started blogging about WordPress and what I was learning at the time, and built a decent following in the community because of that. And so I started doing client work, and um, I think it was around January 2007, I decided to take like a two-month sabbatical just to test the waters of just doing client work full-time and see how I liked that. And so that, that worked out, and 
I was able to, you know. So you had quit Boeing and then took, or did you take two months off? Yeah, the Boeing's really good about that. Like you can pretty much go to your manager and say, hey, I, I'm feeling like I need a little time off. I'd like to take a couple months, you know, with the option to come oh back. Yeah. There's an upside <laughs> to the big company thing. Yeah, there is. I mean, it's a really relaxed company as far as that go. They they kind of take care of their employees that way. So yeah. Two months. Then. Yeah, yeah, that's literally what I did. I, I went to my manager, said I needed two months off. You know, with, Is that with or without pay? That's without pay. I mean, oh, okay. you, you do have to. But still, that's insane. But you have the option to come back at your job, you know, if, yeah. if something doesn't pan out. And he was like, yeah, that's crazy. go for it. So did you so. did you take the sabbatical with the intent of kind of exploring the, the client work and seeing if that's something that could that could have legs? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's I'd been there for 10 years and um, I was really kind of just bored with with the the process and the job and and um i wanted to see if i could make it go on my own you know and and just do client work so so how did you find the how did you find your first set or your first batch of clients was it something that was already people were already knocking on your door because of the the following the community that you were starting to to be a part of or is it something that you um decided okay i'm going to take this sabbatical and i'm going to have to go track down you know one or two projects (laughs) Yeah, I mean, by the time I left, I had already built, like I said, a decent following in the WordPress community, and um, WordPress, WordPress was kind of growing at the time. There was a mm-hmm. lot of people that were becoming knowledgeable about WordPress, and they wanted to build their sites with WordPress. So um, the the client work came generically from uh, me releasing free uh, WordPress themes, and people wanted to use those for their websites, but maybe they wanted them customized a certain way. Sure. And so that's how I initially got the the client work. Nice. So you were like, you were like Oracle. You had you had software, and then you were you were a support company at first, kind of doing that. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much supporting the like the free themes, and then you know, just kind of delving into custom websites using WordPress and all that right. kind of stuff. So. And so then after the two months, you were like, this is working out and you. Yeah. I mean, it was working out enough. I I don't think I was making, you know, as much money as I was Mm -hmm. at Boeing, but it was enough. And I saw enough potential in doing it was enough to satisfy the wife. Yeah. It was enough to satisfy the wife and she was still working, you know, there was a little bit of security there and we, we had no kids at the time. And, and, uh, so there was a little bit more room to kind of play around and, and see where it went. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So then how long did you do that before you started um, deciding to sell themes? I, that's a pretty quick like transition for me. And it, that was the biggest surprise. I, I think I was really lucky in getting into selling themes at the time I did because there was only one or two players in the game, I think, back then. And uh, so free themes kind of turned into premium themes. I released one for uh, I think it was five dollars a download at the time. It was just. And a, what were you using for digital delivery and stuff back then? eJunkie. <laughs> oh, dang. PayPal and eJunkie. PayPal and eJunkie. Hey, it worked, what, right? I mean, what a name! See, yeah, it's a dangerous combo. <laughs> yeah, it was it's like the worst name. eJunkie <laughs> has nothing. To do and with. I don't think that site has changed since. And I think the owner of that site has always said that he'll never. He spent tens of thousands of dollars creating eJunkie, and it will never be updated. And so <laughs> I think eJunkie is the same now as it was then. Well, it's a sales guy kind of company. He was able to get in with PayPal. And so now PayPal um, markets them on their website for digital delivery stuff. Do they still it, really? It, yeah. Oh, and wow. so, um, I mean, they have for years and years. And that's why that's probably the only way he gets his business. I don't think anyone does a Google search for <laughs> digital delivery. And I comes just across eJunkie. I just did. I just searched eJunkie. Well, I know that's like the only search they've they've ever gotten in. Uh, yeah, I know. Past, <laughs> you have to search them specifically. I don't think you'll find any blog reviews saying this is a great service. Yeah, I think they're working on their their SEO on a regular basis. <laughs> but I mean, as horrible as eJunkie is, I mean, it it worked for a guy like me that didn't really have the knowledge to build something custom, you know, for totally. delivering digital downloads. And you know, it had an affiliate system built in. You could manage your downloads. Mm-hmm. It's it was all built in Flash, which is horrible. But um, yeah, I mean, it just kind of worked. Uh, for the for the beginning there, 
And so, you know, one theme kind of transitioned into two themes and then playing with pricing and, and, uh, and this is all within a span of a couple months. Yeah. I think by June, by June of 2008. Uh, so I left, I left my job in January, 2008, by June of 2008, I was 100% doing, uh, just premium WordPress themes. That's awesome. That's cool. So the, the ramp up was really quick. There's, there was definitely a big market for it. Uh, mm-hmm. back then. And I think uh, my strategy of just doing video WordPress themes in the beginning was was kind of uh, the, the way I was able to get into that market and do well because there were other players in the game. They were doing mostly like blogging themes and, and news themes and I kind of chose my own niche of video and went after that. And did, you, did you do that because there was there was nobody else doing it or there's only a couple of people doing it or did you do that because it was uh, of interest to you? It was a fluke. I mean, I, um, I was building a video website for a client and, uh-huh. um, they, they were nowhere to be found after I finished the website. <laughs> and so I took that, that was my first premium theme. I took that theme that I built for that client. It was a, just a really simplistic grid of like movie posters and you click a movie poster and a video would pop up in a light box. And, mm. um, <clears throat> And so I just decided, you know, why trash to work? I kind of revamped it a little bit and released that as my first premium WordPress theme. And that it just took off from there. And, and when it came down to pricing, you said there's only a couple of the players. How did you, I mean, I'm sure you mulled over it for a long time before you decided on a price and hit. I didn't think I would going. be able to sell anything. So that's why I priced it at five bucks. At first. I was oh, like, okay, bucks. I'll throw this oh. out there for five bucks. Maybe somebody will buy it. You know, and I, I think within the, Within the first couple of days, I sold probably around two to three hundred copies at five dollars. Mm-hmm. And so, with the next theme, I, I kind of upped the price to twenty five bucks to kind of play around with that number, and that still sold well. And then, you know, the third theme, I upped it to fifty, and then the fourth theme, I upped it to seventy five. And that's kind of where I stuck with, you know, for the remainder of the six years. It was that seventy five dollar price point. So, can and I- is that the reason for the name of the company, Press Seventy Five? No, Press Seventy Five came from I was <laughs> born in. <laughs> I was born in 1975, uh, so it kind of all came from my company, Circa 75 Media, and uh, so I just did Press 75. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, I mean, the price kind of went along with the with the name, right? So it fits. Yeah, yeah, it, it fit. So you're kind of using that 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 first kind of those first couple pushes to kind of give yourself a baseline to see like not only what would fly, but just like what felt right, what would still sell, what would what right. was the community responding to. Right. And, and again, yeah, I, I think video sticking with video themes was, was a good way for me to kind of, um, separate myself from the rest of the few people that were doing premium themes at the time and, and just build my own niche and, and kind of build a brand going off of that. So. No, that's cool. So then you were, um, you were selling WordPress themes and that started, if I'm correct, 2008. Yeah. June of 2008 is, is when I actually launched the theme business. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of shut down my blog and, and just transitioned that over to just the pure uh, branded press75.com. And I think I had four, four themes at the time in, in June. Nice. And nice. And so you had, um, you obviously was your development experience started at Boeing on the WordPress idea or did you, did you have like PHP experience before that? Uh, no, no PHP experience whatsoever before WordPress in, I think 2006, 2007 is around when I started playing around. And I, you know, I, again, I'm a self-taught guy. I, I, I learned everything just by <laughs> just hacking other people's work and figuring yeah. out how it worked. So I, I did the same with WordPress. I downloaded a free theme and, and kind of, reverse engineered it and played around with it until I got it to do what I wanted to do. And so that's, that's how I learned PHP. How dang. And that's so, how you, I think that's how everyone learns PHP. Yeah. No, totally. <laughs> just jump, right. Just jumping in and, and learning yep. to swim. Cause there's so much, so much documentation articles and everything on it. It's crazy. Um, so then it was all rainbows, unicorns and narwhals for, <laughs> for years and years. Pretty much. I mean, it, it just, it just, it was kind of a a fluke thing. It just grew and grew for, I think a a good two to three years. I mean, 2010 was like the pinnacle of, of press 75 and, and my business 
selling WordPress themes. And after that, it kind of tapered off a little bit and, and leveled out. But for a good couple of years there, it was just really strong uh, growth and, and a lot of traction in that business. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know anything else. I mean, up until this year when I sold my business. Um, was it you the whole time or did you have other people? Yeah, I mean, that was part of my problem. I, I never learned how to how to scale properly. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, it's something I probably should have done um, along the way is, is just put some trust into, into other people and, and learn to let go of the reins a little bit and, and spend my time uh, doing the things that I'm good at and, and hiring people to do the things that I'm not. So that was like one of the big lessons learned, you know, along the way of, of doing WordPress themes was, was um, next time around, hire people to do what you're not good at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so then you were saying, uh, you sold your company. Can you tell us a little bit about when, why, where, and what? Yeah, I think I think around 2011, 2012, um, WordPress themes in the in the theme marketplace it it just got extremely saturated. I mean, there were so many people in the game doing it, and um, everybody was doing it. In my opinion, for the wrong reason, they're just creating themes to to make a quick dollar, and there was no there was no passion in it. You know, people are just throwing products out there. And also WordPress kind of became this big, you know, mess of a content management system that could do everything. And uh, yeah. it's something that didn't appeal to me too much anymore, I think, around after 2010, 2011, because it just got so crazy. Is that when the, the club idea started coming out with the other theme? Companies like... Um being a part of like a subscription based. Yeah, I think you know Woo Themes was one of the first to do that, and mm-hmm. um, when they launched the new club in I, I think 2010 ish, uh, that kind of took off, and uh, you know they released a new theme like once a month, uh, mm-hmm. and and so that subscription based model just kind of took off, and a, and a lot of people took note of that. Did you ever experiment with that? I did a little bit and it, it just didn't work out for me because I didn't have the capacity to release a, a new theme every month. Um, I yeah. didn't have a huge team. It was just me doing it. And uh, so it, it didn't work out for Press 75. Yeah, yeah. And then people started, you know, just releasing themes for 35 bucks and 25 bucks. And so um, everybody just kind of dictated the, the, the price of the market. And, um, you know, right. that was that was when uh, the trend of releasing themes for a lot lower price became big and everybody's doing it. And, and WordPress got, you know, just huge, huge, huge in a relatively short period of time. And um, that's when I started to lose interest, you know, in the whole WordPress scene. So that kind of led, you know, led to a little bit of a decline in sales over the last, you know, year and a half, two years. And, and um, just, me wanting to do something different with, with my time. So uh, I think earlier this year, beginning of the year, I decided to kind of test the waters and see who would be willing to, to buy the business and uh, so I could go off and do something new. Nice. How'd that go? It was a long <laughs> struggle of a process. I, did you ever sell Pictos or or did you... Nope. Because I know you were fishing around a little bit at, at the time. Yeah. I'm, I'm still, every now and again, talking to people. I'm talking to someone right now. Um, but, you know, it's, I, I don't know who said it. I saw it once. But um, it said that uh, products aren't sold, they're bought. Or, or businesses aren't sold, they're bought. You know, and that's, I found out because I've sold one company before and it's so true. It, it was very hard to find a buyer for Press 75. I mean, I, I talked to a lot of people, um, and uh, there was a lot of interest right off the get-go, but once we got into, you know, to the the details of the business and, and how they would have to run the business and how they would have to scale the business back up again, I mean, everybody just kind of dropped off. And it wasn't until... Um, and I hate Flippa. I don't. I don't think anybody should sell their website on Flippa because I think it's just <laughs> a bunch of trolls out there looking to 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 buy websites to to spam other things. But I listed it on Flippa just to kind of get the word out, and that led to a lot of press that Press Seventy Five was selling. And from that, I got about another um, 
five or six people just reaching out to me directly to, um, to buy press 75. And that's where I found my buyer. Nice. Okay. And so what are you, what are you doing now? Um, I took a month off. I mean, I sold the business. I signed the papers in, in June. Uh, and, uh, and I, I just decided to kind of reset, take a month off and, and decide what I want to do next. So, cause you, in, before you sold, you had launched, um, two other, um, products of your own. Yeah. I mean, I've always played around with, you know, with the idea that WordPress is just kind of crazy and it's built for everything. I kind of like the idea of making platforms that have specific purposes. So I kind of played around with Cinematico, which is, um, a little platform that lets you create websites for your, uh, YouTube or Vimeo library, you know, essentially just plug in your YouTube or Vimeo, uh, channel ID or YouTube ID, and it just generates a website for you and updates mm-hmm. automatically whenever you publish new videos. So stuff like that where it's kind of really uh, focused on doing one thing specifically. I kind of mm-hmm. like the idea of having platforms like that. So I've just been playing around with uh, different kind of uh, things like that. I, I built a, a single-page content management system called Leaflets that's specifically for single-page websites and um been kind of playing around with that a little bit. I did Droplets, which is a, a little blogging platform for for uh, Markdown files, Markdown mm-hmm. blogging platform. And then um, I don't know. Just this last month, I've just kind of decided everything's just been so crazy and selling the business, and uh, I decided it'd be nice to take a month off, spend some time with the family, and uh, just reset. Are you in that month right now? I'm just getting out of it. I'm just kind of pinging around with different ideas and figuring out what I want to do next and kind of back up in the office a little bit. But I'm kind of like you. I mean, just listening to your first episode that you guys did, um, I like to spend my mornings with, with the family and, and with my daughter, and, and then I'll kind of slowly make it up to my office and <laughs> spend a couple hours up there and then back down to the house for lunch and so I think the majority of my day is actually spent with my family. And, and then I take a couple of hours here and there to, to do work in between. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's kind of like my mode right now. Is your, is your office, is it in your house? Yeah, it's just, I uh, built it above my garage. So it's detached, but it's, oh nice. but it's still at the house. So I can kind of that's, stroll down there. That's probably a good distance, right? That's like the, it's probably better than just like a room attached to the house. It's, it's uh, it actually, you have to get out. You have to walk slightly. You have to be in a separate <laughs> You can't just building. roll from your bed onto the floor. I and literally roll. roll, roll, roll yeah. To the I chair. kind of crawl to my office. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's good. I don't actually use my leg. <laughs> I think my, my one fatal flaw was not putting a bathroom in. <laughs> so that, that, that presents a little Plus, like a crazy neighbor peeing off. His uh, yeah, pretty again. much. <laughs> He's a creative type. <laughs> That's that's when I wish I lived back in the woods again because then I could literally pee off the roof. But yeah, uh, yeah, no, it's I I enjoy it. It's it's nice having a a separate room away from the house because I do yeah. feel like I can get more done that way. But um, yeah, that's what I'm always looking for. Like uh, when we were moving here, we didn't end up finding exactly that. But because um, my office is still in the house, but. It's uh, it's on a separate story than the other rooms, so it's it works out kind of good, but um, yeah, like I grew up, my dad had like a big like uh, in like an outbuilding, um, that used to be I I don't even know what it used to be. It's, just, it's a massive building like the size of the house, but it was just like a shop kind of thing, and his office was out there, and so it was a, it was like a not a big walk or anything, but a walk from the house to the office building, and because uh, we grew up on five acres. And so there was plenty of room and it was like, it seemed like super ideal, you know, cause we could go out there and see him whenever we wanted to, but he had his focus time, that kind of stuff. So I don't know whenever we move from here, that's, it's going to be kind of hard to find in Carlsbad, but uh, yeah, let me know what you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd like to find, you know, like some, you know, detached outbuilding. It'd be kind of cool to have a office in the house. Cause I don't know. It doesn't, I mean, it, Working for for yourself, it doesn't really make sense to me to go buy office space and then have to like furnish it and yeah. then like have to drive there every time. Like, yeah, well, right. it kind driving. of defeats the purpose of yeah of, of you know being an entrepreneur. Really, it might, unless yeah. you have like a huge team that you're that you're working with and you need to have a space where you're interacting with your team all the time or something like that. But 
I don't know for for guys like us. I think I just it would just defeat the purpose. You know, yeah, working away from home. it seems like the co-working space idea seems so cool, like for, uh, for, you know, for freelancers and stuff that all go work out of some space. But I don't think I could ever do that. At one point, I wanted to open one in Carlsbad, but I wouldn't have like really worked. <laughs> I just wanted to have one. But because like I can't, I mean, I would just be talking to people the whole time. There's yeah. no way I'd just be working like and I, I'm not one of those Starbucks guys. I can't go work at a Starbucks. Like, I just no, be, like, for look sure. around at stuff the whole time. Like, there's no way I could focus. No way. I have to be, like, by myself with my music, just doing stuff. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'd be way too social if I was around people. <laughs> but I do miss that to a certain extent. That's why, yeah, I, totally. that's why I enjoy doing, like, podcasts like this with people like you guys. Um, and I try to do podcasts as much as I can. But just to kind of have that social interaction that I don't get all the time being by myself in my office, you know, doing work. Because it's, it is something that I miss, you know, working at, at Boeing for, for that period of time is just having that social energy that you had with your, with your office, your coworkers. And it, yeah, it's total. I totally agree. It's so fun. Like I loved it, but, but it can't coincide with my current, uh, style yeah. of work. Like, the amount of work that I do and that I want to do, like, cause I'm in like this rapid mode. Like I just got to like, got to get a bunch of experience, got to build some stuff. One of them takes off, get on it, jump on that. And then like try to make it big. So that way by the time I'm like 40 or something, I could just be like chilling with billion dollar stacks behind me. <laughs> and then <laughs> that's like my mindset. And so it doesn't really work out to have this casual work life, like, like this, with this work ethic, like this casualness where you're like, um, you know, you spend a lot of time chilling and talking to people. I've had that yeah. for years in my life. And so I'm like, yeah, that's cool. That was back then. But right now I'm going to do this. So um, You yeah, amaze yeah. me with, with all the stuff that you do. I can't, I mean, I, I, I've done a lot of projects over the years, but man, you just seem to have something new going on every single month. And and that's, uh, <laughs> it's definitely incentive. It's like, oh, Drew's doing something new. I got to, you know, I got <laughs> to get on the game. Got to keep up with Drew. <laughs> I don't think you'd be able to. I don't think you'd be that efficient if you were if you were in a co-working space. Just a guess. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But it's, yeah, no, it's the things I do usually aren't like so grandiose, though. You know, so like like this right here it doesn't really take too much time to do a podcast. But so I don't know. It's fun. I like it. It's like what I would do as a hobby, anyways. You know, so it's not like I'm like. Reach like, because I'm not like the guy that's like, oh look, there's awesome pictures of Drew rock climbing Yosemite. You know, <laughs> that's, that's, I don't go take big long trips like that. At one point in my life, I did that kind of stuff, but with surfing. Um, but you know, this point in my life is this stuff, and then I'll have another point in my life where it's different stuff. Now so. we just see photos of Drew installing Yosemite. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. action shot. <laughs> Eight. Check it out. Look, look how buff my finger is when I push in the button. 18 I, minutes remaining. <laughs> you know, and I, I think, um, you know, doing what we do, it's for me anyways, it's, it's, a, it's about kind of enabling yourself to, to do the things that you love. I mean, I love mountain biking. I love snowboarding. I love to travel with my wife and, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, doing what I do. And, and it, it enables me to enjoy that stuff more often you know, on a schedule that I dictate rather than, oh, you know, it's the weekend, I get to do this for the weekend. And then the rest of the week is is off limits, because I have to go to my, you know, 40 hour a week job. So I I think that, you know, that was the biggest appeal, kind of leaving the boat, the Boeing company and realizing how special it is to kind of have your own business and, and be able to dictate your own hours. And oh, yeah, I can take off a couple hours today, you know, right, and, and do what I want to do, and then come back and, and finish whatever I need to finish. Yeah, so. I, that's the same. That's definitely the the appeal that this had this sort of working lifestyle had to uh, had to me as well. And I think that's, that's kind of what brings in a lot of people get drawn to it because of that. Um, but I think I think I think a lot of people struggle with it, too. Like, I think as soon as people say, okay, I'm going to go work for myself, I have clients lined up i've got contract work lined up and then they actually do it and they're like this is uh <laughs> this is impossible like i have no efficiency yeah uh when i'm at home and there's nobody telling me what and when to do uh my work and um i've i feel like a, lot, a handful of people have reached out saying just like how do you do that like how do you define your own uh schedule and stuff and it's tricky i think on on for me at least it was kind of the opposite it was kind of like rather than uh, being super distracted and, 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 uh, how do I, how do you ever just like not have enough stuff going on that you can sit down and focus for me? It was like, I couldn't 
draw the line for when I should get up from the desk. Like <laughs> I, yeah. there yeah. was no stop time. There was no start time. I was working till you know, 4 a.m. Uh, way too often because I just like, I could. And if I was sitting there and if we had just got done eating dinner, you know, okay, well maybe as things are getting cleaned up or whatever, maybe I'll just go sit on the computer real quick and, and do one or two more things. And then it's, and then it's, uh, uh and then two app launches later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, it, but yeah, by midnight I'm still, I'm still sitting there. So it's, I feel like the, the defining your own hours, the defining your own schedule, the being, being able to do things you, you love, uh, is by far the biggest appeal uh, and also one of the trickier things to actually still figure out how you juggle it and how you incorporate it. But having kids changes all that, right? <laughs> having I mean, kids changes the entire thing. Because <laughs> I found, I don't, I don't know about you, but I found after my daughter came along, I, I thought I was going to have any time to do anything, which was certainly the case for a little bit. But um, I found that when I did have an hour or two to kind of sit down at my laptop and actually crank something out, I was more efficient at it because I knew two hours from now that, you know, I had to be back with the kid and, and helping out with the kid and, and spending time with the kid. And, and so I felt that my right. time became a little bit more uh, efficient in getting things done after, after my, my daughter came along. Just, just knowing that, you know, you have limited time, a little bit more limited time to, to get the stuff done. Yeah. You best get to work. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, I know. I think there's like um, there's also too like when people are going to or when they decide, yeah, let's let's try this freelance thing, and they look at other people like maybe us that are doing it, um, and we talk about how fun and great it is because it really is. Uh, it's also like you guys were just pointing out. There's su- super hard parts, and there's also like financial hard parts too. Like just because you go out on your own doesn't mean it's going to be success all the time. Um, I myself, like in 2009, was like a super low point financially for me. Um, I, I had been like, I've been freelancing full time since 2003, um, like January, 2003, I left my job and and decided to go for it. I had one client and I was brainless because I was 20 and I I was like, sweet, let's do it. And then, uh, that one job was over and I was like, Oh, (laughs) wait, I have to have more. (laughs) And I wasn't in the tech world. Nothing like that, man. Not like so far from it. So I like did a yellow pages ad and I did, um, like BNI Business Networking International, we get together with other small businesses like bankers and real estate agents in the morning and try to exchange referrals. You know, that that was the world I was in. And um, so it was just super hard to find work. But luckily, I was living with roommates and um, I literally bought loaves of bread and, and I just ate loaves of bread and my roommates would always make fun of me and they would give me food sometimes. But um, <laughs> anyhow, it's it's a struggle. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's always going to be a struggle. There's times where I've like had tons of money and there's times where I've had like none. Like I... I used to do wedding photography and I sold off all of my camera gear and I sold off like our furniture. This is like right before our first son was born born. And, um, I had spent two years developing my first, uh, software that I was going to sell called fire rift. It was a CMS. And, um, I remember fire rift. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't go really nowhere. So that was like a lot of time. Um, not really wasted cause I learned invaluable lessons. So it was a lot of time spent with not a lot of financial return. And then because of, because I was working so hard on that, I wasn't doing any client work. And so I wasn't getting any income and, and everything I had was vanishing before my eyes. And then suddenly I launched Pictos and overnight it all came back. So, you know, for me, I think luck. it was like a different experience for me. Like I said, I think I really lucked out in a way because I didn't have those lulls in the beginning. It was, I mean, the WordPress theme business just took off right from the beginning. So I didn't have that downtime until about 2010 when, you know, pretty much the market just dropped off a cliff, you know, and then I was like, mm-hmm. oh shit, what do I, <laughs> what do, I do now? You know, yeah. because, you know, I, up until that point, I had no experience with like the, the downside of, of having my own business. Right. And then, you know, 2000. 10 to 2014, I kind of just struggled just releasing themes, enough themes and enough product to kind of maintain that revenue. And then, you know, and then having sold the business just last month, now I have no income coming in. And so now it, the reality is really kind of checked like, okay, so what's next? <laughs> what do I do yeah. now? You know, what's going to Yeah, be- all your assets are gone. Yeah, like, pretty much. Business yeah. is gone, so you can't pull anything from it. Yeah, and, and, and as hard as it is, I still encourage people to get out and do stuff on their own because if, if things go wrong and if what you try fails, 
you have developed even more skill than you had before, and now you can just go get a job somewhere. So it's really not yeah, but really, the end could of the you, world ever. Could you really, I mean, I know you say go get a job somewhere, and maybe that is the, the worst case scenario, but yeah. I mean, could you really do that? After I mean, having the, the thing is, the thing is, if I was down to it, I would. Yeah, like, I would. I agree. think we all and would. Th- there was a point where I, I kind of did. Like, I was brought on fullish time on Media Temple to redo all their stuff back in um, two thousand nine, t- early two thousand ten, and um, it didn't really last very long though because they ended up not wanting to launch anything new, and now they just did. But um, uh, so I did like I, that was like a desperate thing, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna have to move up to LA, which I do not like at all." And um, so I was just like, you know, because it's like it's like survival mode. It's like you gotta do what you gotta do. Um, but then, fortunately, uh, because that ended up only lasting a few months, um, Pictos had also started taking off at the exact same time. So I was like, "Oh, no worries." And it was the weirdest thing in the world. Suddenly seeing all this money hit your bank account. You're like, is this going to stay? <laughs> you know, because never in your life has this ever happened. Do I need to like, do something with this? Yeah. Like, and I think and I, I, we have the same mentality, my wife and I. And that, I think that's why we never moved. Because we were always very yeah. comfortable with our mortgage. And we actually kind of enjoy where we live. And we're like, okay, we're just going to shuffle all this money away in a bank account. Because who knows what's going to happen next, you know. And, yep. uh, and so I think a lot of that, those decisions happen with that in mind. But, um, I didn't do that. I used all the money <laughs> to put into other apps. So yes. like every, all the dollars I make, we just make enough to whatever we need. And then everything else just goes back into the business in quotes, whatever that is. And I just put it into, you know, whatever I'm doing next or, or improving what I've got going on, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy to go. Like when that happened to me, the whole time I was like, this isn't going to last forever. I know that for sure. So let's just think of that and let's just hurry up and make something else big because I know Pictos is a consumable. It's only going to last so long. But it's the best and, kind of uh, consumable product. Oh, my it's, gosh, dude. You just do it. You spend two weeks making the icons. You launch them. You never touch it ever again yep. in your entire life. And it's just passive and, uh, income. The income just keeps it, coming in. <laughs> yeah, it's it's insanely crazy. And no support whatsoever, you know. Um, it's wild. But uh it was the same. Um, oh yeah. So this whole time, this whole mindset I've always had is like, this doesn't last forever. I got to do something, and you know, and eventually that did come to fruition, and um, and I got to the point where I was like, because I was so used to passive income that I just wasn't thinking. I'm like, oh yeah, it's slowing down, <laughs> and I just kept doing what I'm doing, and I was like, oh wait a second, it's really hard to draw money from my account when there's nothing in it. And I was like, I probably should have lined up some work. So then I started doing, which unfortunately for me, because I picked us, because I was able to do my own stuff, I was able to build my name up a little more and work on a ton of stuff. So build my skill set. And um, so then I just said, hey, guys, I'll do like home pages for you because I didn't want to do full on pages because I'm not like a, I'm not like a, I, I'm not the kind of person that will just like fully focus everything into like a client project because I still have my own stuff I have to support, you know, so it'll always be a part-time thing for me, uh, client work that is. And I had no desire in, in any part of my bones or marrow or heart or anything to spend a bunch of time on a client project. But what I did have a desire to do was continue to make more homepages. I love it. And I love making up new stuff. And I'm like, Hey, if you want, you know, this homepage that I'm going to do, let's do it. And it works out great for them because it's a very short amount of time. So it's not very expensive for them. And it's great for me because it's supplemental income and it's, and it's kind of fun. So I was in a fortunate position to be able to decide like what I wanted to do when it comes to client work. And, and I get job requests constantly. That's kind of like why I originally jumped on board and built juicy with Julian, uh, the juicy, the designer referral thing. Um, but, uh, you know, to pass on these referrals to other people. And so because I took all that time to build up my own name and make stuff, it ended up serving me well in the end. So when, when things do get wild, I can, you know, fall back to it. But when I say that it might sound like it was easy, but it's not easy, right? I had like no money. We're like scraping the crap by, which is also one of the reasons I moved up to, um, Washington. The actual reason is because my wife's wanted to move here for years, like seven years, um, and move closer to family. So this year I was like, all right, that's fine because also we need to save money. So so I I moved up here also because um, we lived in a super, super killer place right on the ocean. 
But if I were to try to go uh, rent another place and you know fill out the application form, I wouldn't even be approved for another place like that. So um, it was kind of like a have to do. But it's nice because once I got up here, I finished off my remaining like two client jobs, and I started charging my customers for Plasto in July because up until then I had given everyone free when i switched from space box to plasto i gave them free for three months i was, um, I was just looking at screenshots of the the new plasto that you tweeted yeah. out yesterday i think yeah, pretty amazing yeah, oh my gosh, i can't wait i can't wait but then in july i started charging and, and plasto has done well enough that now i can i can make my income from that so it's not it's not as it's not as like crazy pictos level but hopefully one day it'll get there yeah, but, but it for now yeah, but, I mean, I found you. That's where I found you yeah. is from, uh, uh, you know, your first platform that you did for for actually being able to sell products was Quixly, and yeah. you know, I was looking for something new to use for Press Twenty Five, and I used Quixly for a little bit for Press Twenty Five, and I remember tweeting you out because I, I think you were actually done with Quixly at the time. I'm like, Hey, Drew, I mean, when's the next version of Quixly coming? You know, are you? Gonna, and you're like, Yeah, 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 it's around the corner. <laughs> yeah, I had Quixly, dude. I had Quixly. T- I still have all the HTML, JavaScript, everything for it. I've like spent so. That's like one of the things I spent most of my time on when uh, Pictos was doing well. Was Quixly too? I redesigned everything. I designed a marketplace. I designed redesigned the app. Um, I had everything statically coded out. But I had a biz partner in Quixly. But right when we launched uh, Quixly one, he had to had to bail. So when it came around for Quixly 2, I was trying to get him back on board, but uh, he didn't want to be. And so I was trying to find someone else. And I paid a couple different people, different developers, but um, I ended up wasting money because then they decided that they didn't have time to do it. And so what I paid them to do, like they didn't really do much at all. And so, uh, yeah, I think I went through three developers. It just ended up being like this horrible situation. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to. Kill it off because just looking at the landscape, I changed the business model two times and digital delivery just isn't going to go anywhere. And that's one of the things I think Gumroad, which came out after Quixly, is going to find out um, and creative market and things like that. It's just it's not a big market whatsoever. And uh, whereas payments in general, like people paying each other is, and I found that out with Plasso. When I first did the first business model with Spacebox, it was a terrible business model to use because I was still thinking digital delivery mode. Um, and then when I changed from pl- the, to the current business model, it's just well, and vastly superior. With Stripe, I, I mean, as soon as Stripe came out, I, I mean, it's just so easy to build your own digital delivery method, you know. And that's mm-hmm. that's as soon as Stripe came out, I was I was all over it. It's like, oh man, they just made this so easy to to build your own uh, platform for for delivering digital products. I mean, it just yeah. It was, I love that company. <laughs> and big, big picture, you want to get, you even want to get past Stripe, right? You want to get, start doing your own role in your own. Exactly. Yeah. Like big picture, far down the road. Like short term is like get the new interface out, um, change the recurring pages to have uh, the similar interface as the new one time payment pages. So, like if you were to go to like buy Pictos right now, it looks that way. But if you were to go to like Art Snacks or something, people are using my recurring pages, like recurring billing. Right. Uh, it's like the old design. It doesn't look terrible or anything. It's just the old design. Got to get that current. A ton of features I have to add in there and then redo all the marketing homepages. Once, like a couple months from now, when all that stuff's done, I'll be like, I'll have something that I really am proud of. And then at that point, um, I'm going to try to get funding. And uh, try to hire some people and make the offering even better, especially support. And um, at that point, what I want to do is pitch to people also basically becoming my own Stripe. And uh, at that point, then I can, the fees for people will be vastly lower because they're just going through me. Um, And then also, uh, I will uh, be competing directly with PayPal, except with a larger feature set than PayPal. Yeah, at that point, you can just take over the world. Yeah, and but I won't ever be like PayPal where they have like a API and everything. Maybe, maybe I would. I don't know. But I'm, the whole idea is no code, and so yeah, just going after that. You're you're right. not targeting developers, really. I mean, yeah, for sure. I'm targeting the developers who don't know how to do that or don't want to, and they just want to get their clients on it because there's tons of developers that use it for their client websites. Um, so yeah, right. But there's a there's a lot of work to be done before I get to that point. A nice little art snack shout out for Lee. Yeah, artsnacks.co. You guys should go sign up. It's super awesome. You can if you're in, if you're into art at all or want to get into it. Like he's he curates 
packages, um, like uh, physical packages that he ships you every month um, with different art supplies that are like ultra high quality because he himself is super into that stuff. It's awesome. Do, do check it out. Yes, artsnext.co. And he's been with me since almost the beginning and um, has been indispensable for telling me when different parts of it suck. <laughs> what, broken. A, what a great guy. So it's yeah. a nice little website. His packaging looks really, really nice too. The, yep. the boxes he ships everything in. That's that's pretty cool. I've always wanted. That's like my next thing is I, I want to do something uh, with physical goods somehow. I want to kind of combine my my know how with with the web and and selling things via the web with something physical. And so that's that's kind of like the idea I'm kind of formulating now. With um, I'm doing something called Found Ink. Which is um, I'm, I'm talking to a local lithography printer here, and mm-hmm. so I'm hoping to develop a marketplace for um, people to submit their digital art and um, sell limited edition prints uh, through this through this marketplace for their for their art that they submit. So that's nice. kind of that's kind of something I'm working on right now. That's cool. That's so cool. kind of combining that that I have this need to to do something that is actual that I can touch that's tangible, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it sounds like, so a, a kind of a, maybe a good summarizing question, but it sounds like, uh, based on your, you have this need to, to build and you've got this, this itch to experiment with other stuff. Even if you, at the end of that two month sabbatical, if you hadn't started to, to, uh, as you say, uh, kind of get lucky, uh, I don't know if, I don't know if it is luck or not, uh, and start to generate some of that passive income, would you have still left? Would you have still decided that even if it was just going to be continue to be contract work or if it was going to continue to be you didn't you didn't know what, would you have still left and taken the plunge to do to work for yourself? Is that urge strong enough and were you willing to do it? And is there any advice or insight you have uh into that decision? I think it was I mean, I, I think at that point with my career, I mean I was willing to do anything to to kind of separate myself from, from a company and try and make a go at my own because I'd spent so much time in that company and my job literally was going nowhere. I mean, I was doing the same thing I had done for, you know, six years at that point. Um, and I spent 10 years, 10 years at that company and, um, I just didn't see any future in it. And there was just this need for me to kind of, um, call it what you will. I think the entrepreneurship, is in you or it's not. And I, mm-hmm. I think it was in me and I, I just felt this kind of calling to, to, to leave the company and, and make it go on my own. So even if right. the theme business hadn't panned out, I think I would have stuck with client work at the very least and, um, and, uh, kind of floated that boat for a little bit to see where that led. But, um, I've always had ideas that I've wanted to work on and, and, um, there's definitely no lack of ideas and, and just kind of being able to pursue those ideas is, is something that I can't ignore (laughs) anymore. For sure. So for sure. I feel like a fair amount of people are are probably in that mental space, right? Where they're, they have that inside them and they want to to do something about it. They just don't know how, or they don't know what it's going to look like or, uh, you know, are otherwise afraid. And I think it'd be harder, you know, now, obviously, if, just speaking for myself, like if uh, now that you, we have a house, we have a kid, we have a, all these other obligations, it's probably a tougher decision to make if, if you had that, if you were staring down that same situation. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to sell Press 75 was to be able to buy myself a little bit of time, you know, right. because otherwise I would have been, uh, you know, still managing that business and I wouldn't have been able to experiment with anything else. So, I mean, in the end, all I wanted from the sell of Press 75 was to, to get enough uh, income to support myself for a year. I mean, that was kind of the idea. If I can put enough away to kind of supplement my income for a year, uh, then I'm going to do it. And so that was what I was able to do with the sell of Press 75 and, and now just kind of thinking outside of the box and, and trying to do something a little bit out of my comfort zone again to kind of move to that next level of, of maybe what I'm going to do next. So, right. So it's big decisions are, are uh, a lot easier if you can buy yourself runway, if you, if it's time, if it's money, if it's whatever, it's a, it's a heck of a lot easier to, to make a big change. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely not huge, huge risk 
takers, my wife and I, I don't think we could, you know, uh, scrape that, you know, spend all our money and put it all into something and, and just not know what the next, uh, you know, what the next paycheck is going to come from. Um, we're definitely not on that level of risk taking, um, especially my wife. She's, she's very much more conservative that way. <laughs> she needs to know where, where the food's going to come from <laughs> next month, you know? Dude, I, I love not knowing. I just got to be honest. I love it. Like, it's such like a fun challenge to me. Be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be on the streets in like two weeks. Let's not do something here. But my wife is totally not that yeah. way. Yeah. So that, that's, <laughs> I think opposite. that's what it is. My wife's not that way. I'm, I'm a little bit more of a risk taker. Um, but put together, we're, we're, we kind of make uh, decisions based on uh, an equal amount of, okay, you know, we're going to have money from this and that'll give you some time to do this. But there's no way I could just shut down Press 75, not make any money and, and go on to the next thing. That wasn't like an option for, for me. Yeah, totally, so. totally. Well, dude, well, that's super cool to hear uh, hear your story, and thanks for all the honesty in it. And yeah, like every everyone's hearing us, and you know, like you said, you felt a calling to to be an entrepreneur, and that calling is from two people: happiness and freedom. And um, yeah. <laughs> those are the people that call you out of out of it. So I would suggest anybody <laughs> heed those calls. Because it really is super fun. And I don't know, like, but I guess if you're into just doing one thing the rest of your life, you know, that's, that's totally fine. But I don't know, I think, I think most people are, you know, want to have an adventure, have fun. And what better way to do it than with your entire life? That's what it is. <laughs> that's what it's about, right? It's an adventure. I mean, just, yeah, just going down this road and, and building your something yourself and, and seeing where it takes you. It's, it's definitely, there's more to it than just sitting in an office and having somebody tell you, you know, what you're going to work on for that day or for that month. You know, it's nice to be able to kind of pave that path yourself and, and figure out what you're going to do for yourself. So, mm-hmm. um, but with that comes all the ups and downs. Like you said, I mean, it's not all <laughs> primroses and, and daisies. It's not all <laughs> rainbows, unicorns and narwhals. Yep. <laughs> so cool. All right. Well, um, I think we're about the end of our show here, but thanks so much, Jason, for coming. Yeah, on. thanks, man. Thanks for having me. And um, I don't know, Karen, Jason, do you have any other last remarks you'd like to say? I don't think so. I just appreciate talking to you guys. It's it's nice to to meet you, Karen. And uh, yeah, same to you. Um, hope to talk to you again. Yeah, cool. That yeah. was great. All right. Well, thanks again for listening to Narwhals episode three. We'll be back with another one shortly. So see you guys next time. See you guys.